People think that there is money laying around. Money is tighter today. And people are looking at those uh, that really uh, can tell the story. We should be about publishing what, we find, what we're finding. And we know, the, we know we're doing the work, but we're really not quantifying the work. And quantifying to me doesn't mean that it's always in data and statistics, but it's also through storytelling. And I think that organizations, nonprofits especially, should be in the business of doing that today. You're listening to the Health Disparities Podcast, a program of Movement is Life, being recorded live and in person at Movement is Life's annual Health Equity Summit. Our theme this year is bridging the health equity gap in vulnerable communities. And as always, we are convening with a wonderful community of participants, workshop leaders, and speakers. I'm Reverend Willis Steele, a representative for the Conference of National Black Churches and Director of Patient Advocacy for Worldwide Hematology at Bristol-Myers Squibb. And I'm Dr. Eric Santos. I'm an orthopedic surgeon uh, that uh, practices down in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas. And also, these days, I'm a physician, engineer, uh, consultant for a company called Biodynamic Research Corporation. And I also serve on the uh, board of the American Association of Latino Orthopedic Surgeons as their secretary. Uh, We're very excited to be moderating a workshop titled Movement is Life Shark Tank, Teaching People How to Fish for Funds Using the Right Bait. And we have a terrific group of people who are sharing their insights in the workshop. And without money, there's no mission. And part of our workshop is to try to teach people how to get that money from foundations and people who are going to give us the funds to do good works. And so I'm going to invite our guests to introduce themselves, uh, uh, starting with Al Reed. Hi, I'm Al Reed, uh, former VP of Corporate Development with Abbott Labs, and currently I am the CEO and founder of Calypso Investment Partners. Hello, my name is Velma Montiero Tribble, and I'm the former Executive Director of Grants and Programs for the Florida Blue Foundation, and currently chairing uh, the A.L. Lewis uh, Black Opportunity and Impact Fund. Welcome all. So for this discussion, I have some questions that I'd like to go around the table and ask you to share your thoughts. So let's start with each of you telling us uh, just an overview of how your organization gives or how you've worked in the giving space in the past. The, the Florida Blue Foundation gives around focus areas, and they are um, equity, um, mental well-being, and... Um, food security, and they are not, uh, we don't accept unsolicited grants or, or proposals. They have opening and closing dates, uh, and that's that's the major, major focus for the foundation. So, Al Reed, you have had a long history of mentoring um, young leaders, uh, self-included, over the many years, both in the space of formal biotech and outside. Uh, so tell us how your giving happens now with Calypso funds and other work that you do. 
Yes. Uh, well, Calypso is a, a three-year-old uh, organization which uh, focuses trying to bring forth uh, new and innovative uh, healthcare uh, technologies. Uh, we primarily fund uh, things that we believe uh, will represent or address some of the unmet medical needs uh, that exist, uh, whether they're devices, uh, nutrition-based, or diagnostic tools. Um, we look at uh, up-and-coming uh, incubation operations as a means of, uh, of sourcing a lot of our activities, uh, primarily at the university level where we've, we've discovered there is a, a wealth of great ideas that just need a little nurturing. Uh, so we, we, we're really excited about the work we're doing, primarily in the uh, area of addressing some of the existing health disparities that exist in some of the most vulnerable communities. Do you have any concrete examples of how these, uh, uh, I guess, uh, nascent companies or, or ideas are contributing to, to fighting uh, uh, the battle against uh, health inequities? Yeah, uh, well, a couple, a couple of things where uh, things that are like diagnostic-based. Uh, obviously, you know, there is a lot of uh, prevalence of disease uh, and issues uh, within some of the most vulnerable communities. And uh, our, our focus is to, you know, identify opportunities perhaps that would uh, make it easier for persons to be able to determine uh, a main, main, uh, maintenance uh, diabetes, for instance, or vascular disease or some of the other uh, abnormalities that, that uh, people in these communities uh, experience. And so, um, you know, Many of those things that we've looked at, uh, and I'll give you an example. One is that through uh, University of West Virginia, uh, they have uh, have uh, uh, something, a company called Endolumics, where uh, that opportunity basically is to help people that have, you know, GI or gastro uh, issues. And so um, look for that to be hitting the market really soon. But we're very excited about the promise that it holds for uh, assisting people that have a variety of uh, GI issues. Let us turn to uh, Ms. Velma Montero. Tribble, tell us, if you will, what are some key features that you can share of successful grant applications? I don't, I don't think I would call them key features, but I look for um, those applications. Some of them might be a little disjointed when they come in because some people can afford uh, grant writers, so I know those that can afford grant writers. But I also have to look at the elements that people are trying to tell us when they're speaking from the heart about things that they, that they know or need in communities. And I, it, the, for me, if you can state the need, if you start with the need and you can do an incredible job with that, um, because that, to me, says that you really know your environment, you know the community, and you can speak to it. But I also look at the second part is how what are metrics you're going to use to evaluate it to make a difference. Because I think we are about today looking at how can you make a difference in, in something that's already there. So I think those are the, those are the key parts that I look for. And if I can if I can find that, then we can we can move on. So so let me make this straight. Uh, so if you're an organization that's looking to be funded by by a foundation, mm -hmm. 
you really have to show yes. your impact with, with real numbers. You're absolutely right. Today, as people think that there is money laying around, money is tighter today, and people are looking at those uh, that really uh, can tell the story. We should be about publishing what we find, what we're finding, and we know the we know we're doing the work, but we're really not quantifying the work. And quantifying to me doesn't mean that it's always in data and statistics, but it's also through storytelling. And I think that organizations, nonprofits especially, should be in the business of doing that today. So let me turn to both of you and ask, what are some key, and, and you said something very important, it's key elements to the request. And I would argue that's probably true, whether it's looking for seed funding or a grant application. I'm going to ask them, what are some of the mistakes you see uh, from both of you, whether it's a funding request or pitching an idea to Calypso or uh, to the foundation? Well, I, I think one of the most common one is not well thought out proposals. Uh, I think, you know, uh, the point was just recently made about uh, understanding the need, uh, but those needs should also be supported by uh, some data and analytics, right, around mm -hmm. market research. Mm -hmm. uh, why is there uh, a great desire? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think the, from a healthcare perspective, the most important thing is if you're, if you're in that space, it's got to be four things that you focus on, one of which is access. How is it going to promote greater access? What is the quality of care that you're talking about delivering? Uh, third, uh, is it innovative? And then um, the fourth piece is around, uh, is it going to improve outcomes? And so I think uh, at the end of the day, if you can demonstrate those things, uh, the likelihood of success uh, as, as part of your pitch is, is much greater uh, than if you don't. And, and then I think I'm, I'm an energy and effort guy. Um, I, I just I love for uh, perspectives come to me and you can see the enthusiasm that uh, comes out of this idea, and uh, or any idea for that matter. And I think we just have to make certain that they are excited about it because if they're excited about it, their brilliance uh, and the courage will currently will be conveyed across uh, the other partners that are in the room and uh, certainly the, the outcome for uh, the possibility, rather, for funding is far greater. One key mistake is, they come to you unprepared, and I think you said that, and they'll, they'll ask you, what do you think they should apply for? Mm -hmm. uh, not here are, the, here are the things that we know that we need. And they sometimes will also uh, send you in proposals that they've sent to 50 different funders, and they forget to take the names out mm -hmm. and the other organizations mm -hmm. they have sent yeah. it to. And they forget that we as funders, we talk to each other mm -hmm. and we know the kinds of things that are going on. So those were two things that I've, I see a lot of okay. that I wanted to add. Do those mistakes go right in the garbage? File they go 13. to file 13. Uh -huh. yes. 13. They go to file 13 because I always say if you don't take the time to know who you're coming to meet with and the organization you're coming to meet with, you're not serious. Yeah. And so file 13, it, that's where it goes. But I think even <laughs> taking off of that, too, is just understand what types of things historically have they funded uh, or interested in funding that are kind of core and unique to them. 
uh, to the organization, whether it's a foundation or a big corporation or a potential VC firm. Yeah. I, I think it's, it, she's absolutely right. It's a very common mistake, not knowing your audience uh, and yeah. being prepared to speak to specifically yeah. the types of things that they're interested in. I, I want you to kind of guide us into, you know, what actions applicants take that really put them to the top of the heap. You know, say, okay, you guys are the cream of the crop. You really want to fund you. Uh, and, and what actions are they taking that they're different from from everybody else? Let me tell you some things that I think that, and, and I don't know how my counterparts think about this, but I it, it's very interesting to me when organizations take a minute to uh, not come in asking for money, but throughout the year, they might send you e-newsletters. Uh, they might invite you to events, and you might not go, but at least they thought enough. When they write something, they always send it in to for you to read, to see what they're doing, how engaged they are in the community. To me, they are, in a sense, they're priming me, but at the same time, I'm learning more and more about them. So when they su submit a proposal to me, here's the key. They have an up because they have... They have talked, to, I've seen their work, I've seen what they've done, and it resonates to me. If I get 500 applications in, I'm certainly going to look very closely at theirs because I have a sense of who they are. So the more exposure they yes. bring to you. The more you know about them, the more you see their work. It's just human nature. It's like that a personal you, relationship yes. with them. Yes, do you agree, Al? Yeah, I think it's it's so critical. Relationships is is key across yeah. all all things that we do. But uh, yeah. uh, touching on another point that was mentioned is that the importance of really clearly understanding what it is that you're pitching. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, it you have to be concise uh, about what it is that you're doing, what you hope to solve. Uh, what capabilities are required in order to, to make it happen? Uh, and then uh, do you have the team? Do you have a track record? And, you know, and, and, and I know it's for a first-timer that's often kind of difficult. It's a chicken and the egg, right? You know, but I, I think you have to really uh, make certain that you have a well-thought-out idea, you know, from soup to nuts. Yeah. And uh, where, you know, people... Expect people to punch a few holes in it, right? And yeah. that's okay yeah. because, again, I think yeah. that just kind of helps uh, uh, develop a more perfect pitch yeah. or product at the end of the day. Yeah, I've totally seen agree. that. I've seen that in, in academia and research that you can't get a grant uh, proposal funded unless you've already done some of the right. research. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, but but I've taken chances. I've taken a few chances. You've been to Sherman. Yeah, it, I, it takes I've, I've yes, on, yes. On those smaller organizations. I've taken a few chances good. because, you know, and and he's Atlas so right about that. But I always feel that that um, what if the little guy never gets in? Mm -hmm. You know, because they can't do all the the bells and the whistles. And sometimes there are some that come across my desk. I'll say. I won't give them a tremendous amount of money, but I will give them some money so I can test this and watch this and see how it works. So seed funding, right? I'll give them some seed money, maybe a little more than seed money. But I don't just do that. I put uh, 
I ask them to partner with another organization mm -hmm. to help them get stronger so that they can at some point come in and uh, and be that top guy. For example, they might not have the budget that, you know, to to be able to get the money that I give them, that I could give them, because I could, if I gave them a grant of, let's say, $200,000 and they have a budget of 15000 I could put them out of business through IRS. But what I can do, I can find an, help them find an organization that can be a financial support, who, who, can, who, have that, who has that capability to be their financial supporter and mentor to help them through. Because I think it's sometimes it's important that we look at that to ensure that we are not leaving the small organizations, grassroots organizations behind. I like that. The, you, you, know, you said grassroots because the smaller group can yeah. often have as much, if not more, impact yeah. than the big. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm talking about grassroots organizations. No, but I mean yeah. that. Yeah, I mean the grassroots organization yeah. can be impactful because yeah. they're in the right. community day to day. Right. Let us end with one last query, and that is, um, you said earlier, Ms. Velma, that the 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 environment has shifted. People think there's lots of money just laying around. So for that organization that doesn't apply. Uh, because they think they're not going to get it. And, Al, I'll ask you the same thing. Mm -hmm. For someone who wouldn't come to Calypso because they think they're not going to get it, mm -hmm. does that end up leaving money on the table in 2023-24 because people don't come to you? I think there's a lot of, uh, in the VC community is a term, there's a lot of dry powder on that's left, right, where Montney's, that aren't being applied to innovative uh, new ideas. And I think you're right. Um, but I, I think people should continuously uh, try to pitch things. Uh, pitch, 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 because you never know. That idea, uh, something Velma said, might resonate with, with someone um, based off of their individual experiences or what have you. And, and I think the, the best pitches that I've seen are the ones that have been told no numerous times, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think about, you know, Magic Johnson and some of his companies, right? Mm -hmm. He was continuously told no, 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 no uh, for funding. And then all of a sudden, you know, someone said, this is the person that we're going to invest in. And it became something big. And I think we see that happen in terms of medical technologies all the time, because it's about the partner. They're partnering with the right organization that can help you cultivate um, uh, collaborate with you in a way to bring forth other partners or ideas that can make your 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 concept or, or idea uh, very possible and, and productive, I should say. Awesome. Yeah. How about in the grant world? In the grant world, I think that uh, so often in the foundation world, we've been sitting behind closed doors and we don't expose ourselves mm -hmm. to the communities. And I, you know, in every, you know, I was at Alcoa, Kellogg, did international grant making. And one of the things I always thought was, I've got to bring this to the community so people can understand it. And so I hold what I call clarification conference calls. And I send that out over to the world to say, join me so I can we can talk about, uh, so that you can get a sense of what we're looking for and what we're all about. Because I want people to not feel afraid to to be able to talk to talk to people who 
who are really making decisions about their lives and their organizations. And I think it's important that no matter how busy you are, you have a, you, you have a, uh, in a, as a funder and a foundation, you need to get from behind the closed doors and from behind the desk and have forms around. For, I do these once a year, I do forms around the state of Florida so that people can get a real sense and talk to and, and talk about ideas that they have. It's, t- it's very tiring, but it's rewarding at the same time because you see people that thought they never would have a chance now see that, hey, I might want to try this, you know. So awesome. I think it's important. Thank you for that. Kind of go into something that we had talked about before, about the evaluation of of the organizations and how they had to show, you know, real results and and, and metrics and all that. And and so I wanted to know what what's the best way for an organization to do that. I know in a lot of grassroots organizations, mm-hmm. especially in minority communities, mm-hmm. uh, there's a, a fear of being a guinea pig of, uh, in quotes, of, you know, the whole shadow of Tuskegee and other experimentation when you tell them, okay, we want to do a, a research study to and obtain a consent to, mm-hmm. to have you become a, a part of our evaluation, they immediately kind of go back and say, I, I don't want to be part of that. I just want to participate. How would you deal with something like that? Well, mine, you know, we're talking about, and I think Al would agree that we're talking about evaluation of what they propose, what they're proposing to us, uh, and in developing metrics around what they are proposing to us. And uh, I don't think it, I don't, I don't think it's from us looking at individuals and communities outside of what we see on the paper that there's that they are that they have sent to us. So I think that's the difference, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And, and and let me just add to that that because it's based on what they're proposing to us, one of the things that I have started helping people to I when I was at the Kellogg Foundation, we created something called the real logic model. And you can go anybody can go out online and they can actually see the guide to the logic model. And and as a result of that, based on the community that I'm in, I've taken that version and I have revised that to make it easier for any lay person to be able to complete a logic model. Now, the logic model to me, it is like a swimmer to a Gantt chant, uh, Al. But to me, it's a way of being very concise about the metrics, about the strategies, about who's going to do what, how are you going to, what's your midterm evaluations of that, and what do you perceive as the outcome from it. In that way, I can sit there and I can visualize it and I can see it. And it's it's teaching people to, to really write in that manner, especially nonprofits. And now it's becoming easier for people to do that because it was so foreign to them in the past. But it's really not about talking about individuals in the communities because we don't collect names. Uh, we, we fund what you submit to us and you talk to us about the population that you're going to serve. So I don't know if I answered your question, but that, that was well, amazing. I think you, you did. I okay. mean, I think we're, we're having a, a debate on how to best do these evaluations yeah. and how to 
communicate that they're not really, you know, we're not experimenting on you. We're really looking at, yeah, at the I, program yeah. as a whole and how it's going to benefit everybody. Yeah, and yeah. I think uh, in my former life at Abbott, there were a number of programs, yeah. a, a system set up similar to very much what you just described. Uh, and I think uh, whether it's uh, in the sub-Saharan Africa, where we worked yeah. with a variety of uh, at-risk communities, I think about Rwanda, uh, where we build uh, clinics that would uh, enable uh, mothers uh, to be able to, you know, uh, deliver healthy babies and take care of them thereafter. But I think it was very matrix-based. Mm -hmm. uh, and and yeah. so, so they understood exactly yeah. how we were evaluating them in terms of the, the, the care providers, uh, the government, and other things. And I think you have to be very yeah. uh, explicit about uh, what it is that you're hoping to get out of it. And, and then they were able to clearly demonstrate on a quarter-by-quarter -quarter basis so that we were able to see um, how things were progressing mm -hmm. in most cases was, was very favorable because again, they bought into, this is how we're being evaluated. This is the things you're looking at. And, and, and they bought into the system. I think those are all excellent insights. Uh, I really want to thank uh, uh, Velma and Al for being with us today. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Health Disparities Podcast. I want to thank them for their time and their insights and, and my co-host Willis with final remarks. And thank you, Dr. Santos. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us on America's Leading Health equity podcast. Until next time, be safe and be well.